I'm Ashley Milne-Tite, and this is The Venture, a branded podcast from Virgin Atlantic and Gimlet Creative. This week and next, we're doing something a little different. Today, we're going to play a panel discussion for you that happened earlier this year in Seattle. The panel was hosted by Virgin Atlantic to celebrate the launch of their new direct route from Seattle to London. It features Virgin Group founder Richard Branson, along with some Seattle entrepreneurs. I'd like to introduce Mimi Jung, who's the morning anchor for King 5 News, who'll be leading us today. Well, hi, everybody. It is great to see you here today for Virgin Atlantic's Business is an Adventure event. This city, my hometown, is a powerhouse for innovation, for progressive thinking, and for entrepreneurship. It's that same entrepreneurial spirit that is in the DNA of Virgin Atlantic. And that is why we have brought here today some of Seattle's most inspiring visionaries, as they're going to share some stories and advice. And now, without further ado, please give a warm welcome to Sir Richard Branson. Thank you. Thanks, everybody, for coming. Welcome to Seattle. Thank you very much. It's great to have you here. I love the story about how Virgin Atlantic started. And it started as, you know, a challenger brand, like so many other companies with Virgin. When you look at it, it's like, really, you thought you could go up against British Airways and all of these other uh, huge companies? Um, um, I was in Puerto Rico. Um, I'd been off on a business trip for three weeks. I was um, 29 years old and it was six in the evening and American Airlines decide that they didn't have enough people in their plane and told us all to come back the next morning. So um, I go to the back of the airport and I hire a plane um, and I borrow a blackboard and I write American Airlines as a joke and uh, $39 one way and I go to all the people who have bumped and I sell out our first airline. <laughs> well, you've never been afraid to go against the big guys, clearly, and you've had a lot of fun. On that note, shall we bring out the rest of the panel? No, I'm enjoying it. I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, got, you've got you all to myself. I know. We can, we can sit here all day. But bring, bring fortunately, fortunately for us, we have three other uh, amazing individuals with some incredible stories. Let's bring out Nadia Shurabora. Jonathan Spazzato and Chase Jarvis. So Nadia, sitting to the right of Richard, is the founder and CEO of Pointer, a retail revolutionary. Nadia has extensive retail and technology experience. Clearly, she brought the shoes. She served on the leadership team at Amazon before launching her own venture, Pointer, and setting her sights on the future of retail. Welcome, Nadia. Thank you. Jonathan is a serial entrepreneur, that sounds sexy, an investor in many startups. Can you tell my wife that? <laughs> exactly. She might have a different opinion. That's right. Jonathan is chairman and co-founder of GeekWire.com, one of the tech's top uh, news sites, and CEO of PicMonkey, one of the world's most fun and popular photo editing tools. Great to have you. And the snazziest dresser on the panel. And I think what we need to do is take Jonathan's look and my shoes. Yes. Put it on him, and that will be the, really the snazziest. You know, I know, I know a photo editor that can do that. You do you. That that would be awesome. So maybe yeah. by the end of the event, you can somehow get her no, shoes on. Right, that that right. would be a yeah. feat. Oh, uh, and we have Chase Jarvis as well. Chase is widely recognized as one of the most influential photographers of the last 20 years. He's currently focused on working as the founder and CEO of Creative Live, the world's largest live
live streaming education company. Um, we were talking about business as an adventure, and you guys talk about an adventure that you've all been on. Um, I'd love to start with you, Nadia. How would you describe business as an adventure for you? Uh, to me, it's lots and lots and lots of downs where you're totally desperate and you're crying every night and you're taking out pizza boxes and uh, you're dreaming about a glamorous life and instead of that, you're folding jeans behind the counter. And so it's seeing men in their underwear and uh, just... Uh, it, sounds, it sounds awful. It sounds awful. I mean, show home. I don't, I mean, I don't encourage, <laughs> encourage anyone to start a business. It sounds, like, it sounds like a nightmare. But then there are moments up. And uh, this is my usual Tuesday. Mm. I drink champagne. I sit next to yeah. Sir Richard Branson, which makes me look completely normal. <laughs> I would say what that's are, the highlight. <laughs> Jonathan, what about you? You know, I, I, I do think of business as an adventure, which is why this panel really resonated with me. I think the fun of it is to learn something new so that you can apply it forward. And, and, and you know, I turned 50 last week. And um, uh, yeah, it, it's so, 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 oh, okay, yeah. you can clap for that. Actually, oh, please don't clap for that. Uh, but, but no, my point is that, that you, you realize. Girls. <laughs> you're too kind, you're too kind. So, um, but the point of that is that I think it's, it's important to take stock of one's life and what you're choosing to spend time on because time is so precious. So when you think about how much of your business life consumes you, man, it better be fulfilling. You better be enriched by learning something new or getting a chance to work with really awesome people. So for me, it certainly is an adventure. And, and Nadia speaks very candidly about some of the trials and tribulations and the pain. But also, uh, uh, I, I like to also look for the, 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 the fun, too. So, mm -hmm. What about you, Chase? How would you describe business as an adventure for you? Well, I think uh, life is an adventure right now. Times are uncertain. Uh, I think the, the idea that you're going to go to college and then you're going to graduate and get a good job, and, and that was the sort of the traditional view of life or your pursuit of a career. Um, never before have there been so many opportunities to learn from others, to, as you guys said, spend time around amazing people, build community because of the internet. And it's up to us to, to seize this opportunity. So to throw ourselves into adventure, and I think there's no one better to, um, I guess, model after than, than Sir Richard. Uh, to me, that's, that's the adventure that, um, that is upon us now. And it's an, it's an amazing time. Chase, you talked about the fact that going the traditional route, going to college, doing this, kind of the, the straight and narrow, is the more riskier route. But yep. I'm sure that you are all, of, are all here because you're successful and you chose the riskier route. What was it that you did that was not traditional that got you to where you are today? Well, I think we're sold a narrative. And I mean, I came middle, lower middle class family, white, suburban. Um, I feel like I had most of the advantages that you could. And I still felt really challenged to fly in the face of convention, to bail on professional soccer, drop out of medical school, quit a PhD in philosophy to become a photographer. And yeah, if you're a parent out there, you're going like, oh no. <laughs> And, and giving, I mean, are you giving your parents their money back? <laughs> <laughs> and and to, um, I think that that's something that we need to recognize as a culture that we're steering people towards this narrative that used to be safe and used to be perceived as what you want for your child. I think you should you should really reconsider and 
you know, I don't want us all to be shining examples of success because I think if you asked any of us, you know, after this event when we're off stage, we could talk to you about all this, the, the hardships, about the pizza boxes, about the failures. Imposter and, syndrome. Yeah, the imposter yeah. syndrome. How am I, I haven't, what am I doing up here? Um, ultimately, I think that if we can change the narrative and help people understand that, that we really can take charge of our future, to me, that's, that's what the next generation is, is, is about. I think one of the most inspiring things to hear from a panelist um, like you is to, to hear those stories of challenge. Oh, how much time you got? Uh, <laughs> only a half an hour. There, there's a very, very thin dividing line between success and failure. And, mm. um, and you know, especially when you start a business maybe without any financial backing. So, um, and for years, for most of us, you're, you're battling just to stay the right side of that dividing line. Mm -hmm. um, and then, of course, some people um, don't manage to stay the right side and um, their companies fail. Um, they will have had the most incredible education you know, in, in the process of fighting to survive. And you know, the key is then you know, pick yourself up, um, you know, brush yourself down and, and start again. And it's you know, easier to say, you know, but, um, but it's just absolutely critical. And the next time around, you will have, you know, you'll be that much stronger. You would have had the best education anyone could have given you. When you have doubts and fears, because I'm sure you have, um, what, what keeps you putting one foot in front of the other and saying, you know, I believe in this, or I'm going to keep um, going? Uh, I mean, I just love to learn. So I see life as one, one long uh, university education that I never had. And I'm learning all the time. I'm learning about the airline industry. I'm learning about the train industry. I'm learning about the mobile phone industry. I'm learning about... Uh, you know, climate change. I'm learning about the space industry. I'm learning about you know all all these different things that you know we, we, we're jumping into. I'm learning about conflict resolution issues, and and you know it's just the most fascinating course I could have ever gone on. And um, and I don't want to waste the position I find myself in. You guys have your hats and hands in in every different thing. It's not just one thing. How do you keep the multiple plates spinning and not go crazy? How do you and when do you know to hone in on one thing? Just have great, great people around you, and and that's what again, what that's all the business is, is having wonderful, wonderful, motivated people who believe a hundred percent in what you're doing, and giving them the freedom to make mistakes, the freedom to make good things, uh, not second guessing them, uh, and then if you get that right, you can have three hundred companies because you, you you know you'll you'll you've just got you know these wonderful people around the world doing wonderful things. Chase, I would love to ask you about your. Um you can, you can tell me if this is correct, but probably your biggest professional failure. Okay. Last year, I was heartbroken when I read your blog post about um, what happened to your app, which I had and used, um, the best camera app, and how, how do you grow from that? How do you pick yourself up the ground, stop beating yourself up over a, a lost opportunity? Uh, short backstory: I created the first iPhone app that shared photos to social networks, which ended up being a pretty big deal, I guess. Um, we were number one in the App Store app of the year, and we were, you know, a year and a half out in front of all of the other photo sharing apps. Instagram uh, was basically a lift and stamp copy of of Best Camera. They were very good. You've seen them do the same thing with Snapchat, um, and. I had been in a relationship with the developer. That relationship went sideways. 
And without going into the weeds, the lawsuit that I got in bogged us down. Um, I walked away from never work again money uh, and just had to let it sort of rot on the vine. Uh, that was the single most important thing in shaping a grit, which I think is a, is a, um, it's a characteristic that is not talked about enough in entrepreneurship. B, as Sir Richard said, you know, dusting yourself off and getting up again. And maybe see the most important things that have gone into creating and navigating venture capital and leadership and all that stuff with Creative Live. Those are all lessons that I learned in that failure. Mm-hmm. Without those things, you're nothing. It's only the, the, the down moments that really help amplify the up ones. Well, thank you so much for your inspiring stories. Um, we could sit here and talk all day. You guys are fascinating people. You're not going to kick us off stage. Right. We're not going to kick you off stage. In fact, we're going to bring some more folks on oh, to um, allow them to get a chance to ask you specific questions about their companies and businesses and get direct advice. How's that? So we are first going to introduce Nishant Singh, who is the CEO of Peach. The company launched in 2014. Peach makes sure that you get lunch from your favorite restaurants, dropped off at your office every day, no lines, no tips, no delivery fees. Available in Seattle, San Diego, Boston, and Washington. Welcome, Nishant. Um, so when the first time I flew in a Virgin flight, uh, so Richard, I was blown away, um, partially because it was really pretty. The colors, the smiles on the faces. How do you make people fall in love with your products? And also, how do you make people fall in love with you? <laughs> um, I look in their eyes. <laughs> it's working. <laughs> um, let's take an airline as an example. I mean, they, they, uh, we, we all have the same airplanes. You know, we buy them from either Boeing or Airbus. Um, but you, ha- you, know, you have a blank sheet of paper, and you know, 12 years ago we decided to come into America with a new airline because we just thought the airlines that were currently existed in the States were really badly run and there was, there was no- nothing joyous about traveling on them. Um, and you just got to get every single little detail right. So, you, uh, you know, when, when you walk onto the plane, you, you've got to have people going, wow. You know, so every, every, every little thing just must sparkle. And fortunately, most of our rivals, uh, the bigger airlines, just do, you know, I mean, I suspect that most of the chief executives, they get on private planes, they don't even fly on, fly on their airlines very much, and they, therefore they don't get that kind of feedback. So, you know, get, getting the general picture, but then the detail uh, is really important, so that, um, uh, and, and then you've got something exceptional. Cool. Thank you so much. Pleasure. Um, and my next question is, and I think this is for the whole um, panel. As you grow your business, there you're going to add more and more people, and you start thinking about, okay, now I'm driven by profit. I want to make a billion dollars or whatever that is. Um, how do you keep your employees happy at that time when there are a lot of them, and you want to make your company more of a people-friendly company, your employee-friendly company, than a profit-friendly company? Yeah, I'll take a stab at this one. I do think it's really important to listen to your employees and understand what motivates them and what fulfills them. And again, as I said earlier, I think that you have to be very values-driven. So um, at one of my companies, um, you know, PicMonkey, we we boast a 50-50 male-female balance. And that's something that really resonates with people and actually becomes a magnet draw for a lot of employees, men and women. I do think that it's important to, to, to be as transparent as possible. Transparency and vulnerability 
responsibility are really key attributes that, that um, uh, not only are they kind of expected, but people deeply appreciate it when a leader can be vulnerable and say on occasion, you know what, right now, today, I don't know the answer to that question. But, but you know what, with your help, we'll figure it out. What about you, Chase? People, products, profit, in that order. You're the average of the five people you spend the most time with, whether that's at home or work. There's so many things in this world that you can't choose. You might as well choose good people. If I were in your shoes, uh, people are great, product great, love great. Uh, you're doing lunches. You need to run your trucks 20 hours a day. So think beyond lunches to keep your trucks busy all the time and pe keep your people busy all the time. And then the profit will come. Nishan, thank you so much. Thank you, sir. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you. We have Tamarian Rogers. Uh, she is a board member on Ada Developers Academy. Founded in 2013, Ada Developers Academy is an intensive software developer training school for women. It combines six months of classroom instruction in cutting edge web technologies with a five month internship at Puget Sound area tech companies. Welcome. Thank you. So with Ada, we've had tremendous success. The demand is there. We have more than 500 applicants to get into a 48-seat cohort. That number is growing, so the, the, the demand is very high. What we like to know is, as a nonprofit organization, what are suge some suggestions you have to help us grow? With, with a lot of startups or, or endeavors, it's like you have way more hype than substance. You guys have way more substance than hype, and I, I, I think you guys could do more PR, proactive, like toot your horn, and. And uh, I think that that can um, uh, do wonders for a nonprofit like yours. And I'll help you with that. Okay, we'll take yeah. you up on that. Yeah. <laughs> Any other questions? One other one. Okay. One of the challenges that we have with the women that graduate from the program is, of course, they come from this environment where they're with other women, other non-binary gender people. And this is a great environment to learn. But once they step into the tech workplace, it's not as inclusive, it's not as supportive. And so the question is, how can we help to really make a drastic impact on transforming the culture of tech industry to be more inclusive? Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm actually writing a book on the subject. <laughs> okay. so, which is, I've been reluctant to blurt that out because it, you know, there are a lot of other things to talk about, but one of the first things that I talk about, and I deliberately say it in a controversial way, which is that men must lead the change. And what I mean by that is that men must change first. And the reason is precisely because right now it's mostly men that are controlling who has a seat at the boardroom or who's in a C-suite or who, who's hiring on an interview loop and hiring uh, candidates. So, so I think that that's, that's one of the key things that's got to change. The second thing is that leadership just simply has to commit, and it has to come from the very, very top. And I think that it's, it's important to um, get people to acknowledge that there's a problem in the first place. If you look at the stats, it's um, pretty abysmal for the year 2017. Again, believe in your mission. I think you're doing great things, and I would take all the ADA graduates I can if I, if I could. So. All right, we will remember that. Marion, thank, thank you. you. Yeah. And last, we have Ziad Ismail, Chief Product Officer of Convoy. Uh, founded in 2015, Convoy is the world's largest network of trucks with guaranteed capacity and real-time GPS tracking on all shipments. Welcome. Hello, panelists. Um, so there's, um, there's this interesting challenge that we have at uh, Convoy 
faster than we expected, we have uh, some of the largest brands, kind of consumer packaged goods companies have started adopting our platform. Uh, that's great in many ways, but the thing we have a lot of conversations about is like, how do we balance uh, expanding quickly to meet the needs of our customers versus staying focused and doing a small set of things really well. I'm not sure whether it's, uh, you know, when, when we had um, record companies and they got over, say, 100 people in a building, um, I would call in the deputy managing director, the deputy sales manager, the deputy marketing manager, and say, you're now the managing director, the marketing manager, the sales manager of a new company. And we ended up setting up uh, 25 different record companies around the country. Um, we, you know, we became the largest uh, independent record company in the world. So maybe you could you try to sort of uh, you know you know set up small small units around the country um, to manage it, and, and don't try to do it all from one you know bigger and bigger and bigger central company where everybody loses touch with each other and um, and you can't really people can't really take credit for, the, for, for their successes or uh, ownership of their failures. Okay, uh, thank you. My second question is about values. Like I've worked at uh, big companies and also at small companies. And the thing that I find distinctive is that small companies, like most of them at least have a, the sense of mission and the values of the founder kind of completely resonate because the company is so small. Most companies, that as they grow bigger, it tends to hollow out and tends to become like more soulless. You know, as we think about growing our company, like what can you do to prevent that hollowing out of, of the mission and values? You have to put energy into it. If, if you think that the values are just going to perpetuate on their own, uh, Creative Live once had a growth spurt, went from six to 90 people in just under 18 months. And you have someone who's only been there for a month hiring someone, and it's just, it's, it's through no fault of the process that values get lost. I stand up in front of the company and talk about our core values at literally every single meeting. And if you, it's sort of like the thing, if you turn your back on something, it's, it's probably not going to grow in the way that you want it to. And if you can get the values instilled in the humans, not just yourself, because the, the values, they start at the top, but they exist everywhere. So what can you do? It's not just about talking about it, it's about living them. What can you do to instill those at every level of the company by recognizing people, by making decisions based on it, and not just having them be that thing on the wall? I think you're the, maybe the best person to give advice in this case. Um. Well, first of all, I feel so sorry for you, growing so fast and having all those growth problems must be really, really hurting you as an entrepreneur with all those challenges, Dosh, I don't know. I think uh, Sir Richard gave a perfect answer. Keep it small and thank God every day for you growing so fast and uh, try to break your teams in the small ones so they have a chance to compete and be ready to change because um, one day is you grow fast and the next day you need to figure out what. And be willing, I think, I think you also not, must, you know, must be willing to delegate yourself. I mean, like, um, I mean I, I'm, I'm a great believer that uh, entrepreneurs should very early on in, in their business uh, put themselves out of business. I mean, like basically, you know, you're, what you should be doing is having the time to find somebody who's better than you to run the day-to-day -day running of your business. Uh, and then that person should be, you know, getting the people who are working for the various different divisions of your company to find people who are better than them to run the day-to-day -day running of all their divisions. So, so you're freed up to, 
you know, think about the bigger picture, um, be, be a true entrepreneur and push forward into new areas, um, knowing that, that, you know, that if you get run over tomorrow, the day-to-day -to -day running is working fine. Um, you can also spend a bit more time looking after your, yourself, your family, your body, your, you know, other things, and not just burn out. Um, but I think companies that do that, and there's a lot of entrepreneurs are not willing to do that, um, uh, they, they, you know, they, every, every, everybody's happier as a result, and you'll definitely be happier. And um, I think the, the companies will flourish more as a result. Thank you. Thank you. So I think we're going to have time for one question, either from Twitter or Facebook. And this person asks, I'd like to make a difference in the world, but I'm not sure where to get started. What's your advice for those who want to make a change for good. Any of you have an answer for that? Sure. Yeah. Scratch your own itch. Scratch your own itch. Think about Richard's founding story. It was a problem that he had, he or someone he's close to, that he knows that problem really well. If you're chasing random market opportunities, when shit gets hard, and it will, you need to have the energy, the stamina, the grit, some of those other characteristics that you've heard us talk about on stage to push through that stuff. And if it's something that you care deeply about, if you can solve something that's meaningful to you instead of a random opportunity, I think that, that you've, you've got the leverage where others might not. Yeah, I really love that. And I would add that it's, it's, it's absolutely okay to give yourself permission to not know for a while. That, you know, I, I know speaking for myself, I didn't pop out of the womb knowing that this is how I'm going to dent the universe. Or, so I think it's okay to let it find you um, and have a sense of authenticity about it. You, you, you may not be itchy <laughs> when you are a young person thinking about the world. Um, and you may have other priorities. Maybe it's about just, hey, I'm going to make enough money to buy my first house. And, but, but as you develop in life and your life becomes more nuanced and complex and you see more and you observe and understand the world better, those itches might develop. Uh, and and, and then it finds you. What's your, what's your itch? <laughs> <laughs> um, I find one thing which drives me nuts, and then I go and try to fix it. Um, just find one thing which drives you nuts. One thing that drives you Perfect. nuts. Sir Richard, Nadia, Jonathan, Chase, thank you so yeah. much. Thank you. And thank you. Warm round of applause for them. The Venture is a co-production of Virgin Atlantic, Gimlet Creative, and Filio and & Partners. Learn more about the show at virginatlantic.com slash theventure. And if you haven't listened to the first six episodes of this series, go back and check them out. We profile pioneering businesses like The Onion and the team behind the Real World TV show. We were produced this week by Ben Kiebrick. We were mixed by Emma Munger and Zach Schmidt. Our theme song was composed by Bobby Lord and Matthew Ball. Next week on The Venture, we head to Los Angeles and hear from leaders running some of the most talked about startups, including Tinder and WeWork. Millennials are very focused on not just what they're doing, but why they're doing it. What is the purpose behind what they're doing? And if you can't explain on a global level to your workforce why their job is important and why it's impacting the world, then you're going to fail. And I think companies need to evolve to do a better job of that. That's next week on The Venture. I'm Ashley Milne-Tite. Thanks for listening. <laughs>